Welcome to Luxuries for Your Soul with Alexis Kletchian and Lauren Golt. Every episode is a look at life through the lens of luxury. Whether it's the dismantling of belief systems, pursuing our passions, or standing in our truth, we approach each conversation with genuine curiosity of what it means to have a well-lived life. Today we are discussing Pamela Anderson and her evolution from Canadian Girl Next Door to the iconic blonde bombshell in Hollywood. Pamela became a record-breaking 11-time Playboy cover girl, a worldwide sex symbol, and the star of Baywatch. But there was a snag along the way. Since then, Pamela has been in and out of the public eye, trying to create a life with the pieces she had left. She's taken her power back with a Hail Mary memoir, a Netflix special produced by her son and fans rooting for her. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Are you ready to dive in to Pamela Anderson? I am. The woman, the myth, the legend. She really is, isn't she? She really is. What did you think of the documentary? I loved it. What about you? I loved it too. (laughs) They skipped over some very important things, but I understand the filter in which they wanted to tell this story through. And I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was beautifully shot. Mm -hmm. I thought it felt very raw. And I think it did a great job of showing a side of her that, you know, we has never really seen before. And I'm excited for her to have been able to tell her side of things. Right. But I am a child of the really 80s. But so in the 90s, when all of this was happening, I remember watching it. I remember consuming it. I watched Baywatch. Not, I wasn't like a Baywatch fan, but I very much had Pam part of my life growing up is, I wouldn't say an icon, but I was very cognizant of her growing up. What were your feelings about her when you were growing up? I didn't have any feelings about her in particular. She definitely looked like a Barbie doll to me. And I didn't have an issue with that. She's this tiny person with this big personality that is super sweet. And that's not what sweet and loving and caring looks like to the average person as consumers they wanted to villainize her yeah she was sexy super sexy and she posed naked but she did a lot of things for animals and for people too i remember her being so funny and going on these talk shows making fun of herself or putting people on the spot on late night tv being like oh remember what you said about me oh yeah that wasn't nice and then using that as a way to support other causes like animals, like PETA. I just thought she was clever and I was always interested. I just remember in middle school, boys talking about her being, you know, a poster or a pinup maybe in their locker, seventh and eighth grade. And she was just always. That's funny. <laughs> yes. Locker pinups. <laughs> yeah. She was this woman that the boys talked about how hot she was all of the time. I definitely remember lots of, she is, but you know, it's seventh and eighth grade and that's the woman 
that all of these boys are talking about and saying, you know, she's the hottest thing in the world. And I'm in middle school and it's when you start to like boys and get crushes and have boyfriends and all that starts to be really real. And I do remember thinking, wait, this is who, this is what boys want. This is what, and I didn't know anything about her posing for Playboy or anything like that at the time. I just Mm -hmm. remember that she had huge boobs and really blonde hair and looked like Barbie and Mm -hmm. thinking, okay, that's what you have to look like for boys to like you. I do remember thinking that. I'm not saying that I thought that for a long time or anything. Mm -hmm. So that was really my first, if I go back, that's really my first introduction to Pamela Anderson was that she was this girl on Baywatch that wore a bathing suit and all the boys were obsessed with her and thought she was hot and she had big boobs. But she really made the one piece sexy. That's what Mm -hmm. I remember thinking. I could never pull a one piece off like that. I also remember she was on the cover of a gazillion tabloids. My grandmother, both of both of my grandmothers actually used to get different tabloid magazines. I feel like one got Star Magazine and one got another. And they were always, you know, laying around at my grandparents' houses. And I do her always being on the cover. And I both grandparents just being appalled and thinking <laughs> she was just so inappropriate and <laughs> so not classy. And it was right. gross and tacky and just, it was just way too much. All of that. So on that note of appalled by her freedom and sexuality, she really did it to empower herself. And she had her mother's permission. Her mother said, go for it out there, be in the big world, be yourself. She talks about being sexually abused by a woman, by her babysitter and being treated poorly. And so she really used her body as a way to empower herself because she felt so much shame around her body. Yeah. And the strength that she had in that to say, like, this is me. This is all of me. And even in the documentary that it came out in last year, I didn't even realize, but even in the documentary, she shows up with a bare face. She doesn't need filters. She doesn't need makeup. She's just her. She's not in the best shape in some of this filming before she prepares for her Roxy debut on Broadway. And you see the progression of this, of her just saying, this is me. I love just being me and being free and the acceptance and getting older. And yes, I did that. And that's who I was. And this is why I did the things that I did. That's really beautiful. It is. And I also think seeing her as a mom and hearing her talk about her kids and also even hearing how she was describing her relationship with Tommy and how much, I mean, you Mm. could see it in her face, how much she loved him even now. And I never had an, I don't know. I just never had a negative opinion of her, but I'm also not one to have negative opinions about women in the media in terms of stuff like that, if that's what you want to do, I mean, even at a young age, that's just never been something that's bothered me or I've judged. If that's, you know, her posing for Playboy, her, you know, being on Baywatch, do it, you know, being in a bathing suit, if that's, you know, what floats your boat, that's great. But But, let's go back to young Lauren, right? When you said that when you realized in middle school that boys 
were attracted to women that look like Pam Anderson and you were forming those thoughts of that's what boys like, that's what I have to aspire to. Did you not judge then or were you just curious? I was more curious and I want to say jealous. Mm-hmm. Like I was jealous that she looked like that. And I mean, you know, these pictures, and this is before you know anything about airbrushing or spray tans or whatever they did back in the day. But, you know, you see these pictures of her, you see her on the screen and she's this beautiful bronzed hand skin. And, you know, every she just looked gorgeous. If anything, I was just jealous that she looked that way and jealous that all the boys thought she was amazing. Mm-hmm. I do remember seeing, I will say this, I do remember definitely judging her for her choice in Tommy Lee and seeing pictures of them together and being like, what right. the hell? Because I just do not find him attractive. If you take away all of the stuff he's done to himself, I think he could be very attractive because I look at that too, like, what does she see in him? But I understand that she was attracted to that animalistic pure, explosive love, all attention on her, especially coming from a home where things were explosive. The love was raw. It was familiar to her. That felt safe, even though obviously it wasn't. It was a bad choice. It was damaging. Her mental health was at stake and she found the strength to walk away and still say, he is the love of my life, but it's not good for me. Kudos to her for not going down a bad path with drugs, with addiction, with that party lifestyle, that she could move in and out and say, this isn't for me. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my part. And then I'm going to go be with my boys. It seems like she's kept that very separate. I have never heard a story of her on a drunken binge, doing drugs, in rehab, And she had access to all of those things, especially at the Playboy Mansion. She really knew how to come in and out of that world and keep herself intact and still be a mother to those boys. She seems like an incredible, loving mother. No, definitely not. And I can't imagine when you love someone as much as she clearly loved Tommy walking away, but not only did she do it for herself, but she knew that was the best thing for her kids. There's so many things to dive into with the documentary. Let's talk about the sex tape. Yeah, let's do that. It's crazy that someone violated them that way, stole their property. It seems as if it became clear who stole the property or at least you know whoever got their hands on it And that person didn't get in trouble, which I don't understand. I can't wrap my head around that. She gave up. She couldn't continue fighting because she was pregnant with her second child and her mental health was really at stake. And she had already lost a child. She had a miscarriage, which she thought was because of stress when she was on the set of Barbed Wire. And she said she couldn't risk another child's life this way. So it was pre-internet. They had no idea what kind of technology was waiting in the wings. And she just said, forget it. I've got these tapes. It doesn't matter. My health is more important. No, I understand that. I'm just saying it's clear that someone did this and she had to go to court. She -hmm. had to go through all of that. I mean, that just baffles my mind. It shouldn't have been a court case. It's cut and dry. Here's something that this man has in his hands that 
was not given to him. So I don't know. I guess I just don't understand the legal system that in that way. And that was just footage. So I can't even imagine mm-hmm. the misogyny, the questions, mm-hmm. if they show the whole thing. I mean, it's disgusting. Production company that brought it to light probably procured it from someone who stole it and then sold it privately. So you don't know originally who had their hands on the tape, who took the safe out of their home. We never know that. So that production company purchased it from someone. And then they ended up getting rights to it because she drops the case. The internet explodes. The tape is everywhere. There's nothing she can do. And then she figures out, okay, whatever. I'll just ride this out and... It is what it is. There's nothing I can do. I I signed it away. So now we have Pam and Tommy on Hulu, this new series, which Seth Rogen is producing. And how he got the rights to produce this is he optioned a Rolling Stones article that talks about the tapes, which is crazy. I really don't like Seth Rogen. (laughs) To be able to just, I'm going to option this story and there's nothing that they can do because they bought the rights to it through an article. The fact that nobody reached out to her and asked her about it beforehand, before shooting it, before casting it, before doing anything to create that show is very upsetting to me. There is some conflicting thoughts on that because if you go to like Wikipedia page or any of those online pages, it has all of these sources that it cites. So many interviews, dozens and dozens of interviews that they reference back to the, so she says they didn't ask me. And then she says, no, I don't want to be a part of it. So it's, it is a little conflicting. Yeah. I just think it's awful. But Tommy Lee's like, yeah, this is great. It probably boosts his stardom. And he, they, ha- I think they have his penis talking, like his penis is a character in it. I am not going to watch it. It seems like it's a satire and she's a character. That's one of the things that she actually said was, they've made me a character. How do you say that? Character. 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 Caricature. Caricature. I can't, I can't say it. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) that she was portrayed like that. So then I started thinking about Dolly Parton and they do that with her as well. Now she didn't pose naked. Not that I know of. But she has something that the world values that they don't value in Pam Anderson. We don't know what Pam Anderson's talent is. Is it posing naked? No. It's her empathy. It's her love. But we don't value that in society. So it's easy to make fun of her. But what about Dolly? Dolly has enormous boobs. She has a character-looking face. She speaks in a soft voice. Does she portray herself very intelligently? I don't know. She has this whole Dolly world. Like she runs with a very similar story, except she just wasn't naked. People love Dolly because they value her talent. Why do we not value love and empathy and being really human and raw and saying, yeah, I did this. Yeah, this is who I am. She's never tried to pretend to be anybody that she wasn't, but we don't value that. I agree with you, but if you go back to before the sex tape and you think about what she showed the world and what everyone was seeing Mm -hmm. and the media at that time and everything, 
we mm-hmm. see here's this woman who comes to Hollywood. She is a Playboy Playmate centerfold of the year or however that works. Then we see her on Baywatch where it's not a show known for its acting or quality <laughs> storylines. I mean, even right. if she's not right. in it, it's going to be, you know, made fun of. But she's in it. She's in a bathing suit. She's not a great actress. The dialogue is terrible. I mean, half of that isn't her fault. Right. And then she does barbed wire, which is like the same thing in a different setting. And it's mm-hmm. still not good acting. Right. And it's not a time like it is now where you have your own social media and you're controlling the narrative. So really we're not seeing we're not seeing it that way. We're seeing that, you know, before Tommy, she's even they showed in the documentary, like she dated a ton of famous people. So I'm guessing there were lots of pictures with her of her with different, you know, celebrity guys. So I do think that I agree with what you're saying and it's a shame, but I do think that what the world saw at that time was not her love and empathy. What we were shown was that she was trying to be an actress and she wasn't very good at it and that her boobs were always on display. It seemed like she had a great sense of humor. And I love that, you know, the footage of her, like you were saying on the talk shows where she's, she makes fun of herself. She points out her boobs. She seems comfortable. She's like open about the fact that she's had plastic surgery and all of that is great. And we should have appreciated that. But it is interesting to me to think about it. She was a celebrity kind of like Kim Kardashian, where she she was famous for being famous and she was on a show, but she wasn't an actress and she wasn't a model. She didn't fit into a category. She didn't, I feel like part of the reason that people had trouble with her was that they couldn't label her, which is sad. Right. And then the sex tape comes out and it's awful because it's Playboy, Baywatch, barbed wire, and sex tape. And that's, that's what we have. And all of that right. before the sex tape was sexualized. And it was all about her body mm-hmm. and her boobs. And I do, I feel, I mean, I can't, yeah. it's gross. It's hard to reverse that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it becomes interesting because on one hand, it's amazing and empowering and good for her. The the footage of her shooting those Playboy centerfolds where she's clearly very comfortable and just so confident. I mean, I was blown away because there's just no way I could be like that. So I'm so, you know, that's amazing. But yeah, right. on the other hand, you're like, well, you're putting all of that out there. Your boobs are always on display. I understand why you're talking about them and making fun of them, but it is always in the conversation. So looking back, is it like, well, was she part of the reason people weren't taking her seriously? I want to count how many times you say the word boob in this episode at the end. (laughs) 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 But yeah, that's what she was given, right? She was just trying to make something out of what she had. One of the quotes that she said is, I'm just... I guess I'll paraphrase this because I don't have the quote written down, but it was basically of the essence of, I had to make a career out of the pieces that were left. I'm like, yeah, yeah, she did. She tried. So when we go back to the sex tape and we think about all of the men that she dated, like you mentioned, and she's been married like a zillion times. And one of the men that she married was that poker player, Solomon. 
Rick Solomon. Yeah. Rick Solomon. And let's flash forward. He is the one responsible for bringing the Paris Hilton sex tape to light. Right. So he learned from watching the whole Pan Anderson thing. Wait, like, did, did he release the Paris Hilton sex tape? Now I'm curious. There is a correlation there. And I caught it and I was like, I know that name. I know that face. And I remember when all of this went down. But all these stories are coming out. It's it's just disappointing the the journey that's women, some women, find themselves on. That the things that we have to do to empower ourselves. I just looked it up. He sounds gross. He it sounds like the yeah. Paris Hilton tape was leaked, but then leaked. Yeah. And then he files a lawsuit against the company that distributes the tape and against the Hilton family because he's claiming that the Hilton family suggested he exploited Hilton and tarnished his reputation. But then I don't know, like a year later, he begins distributing the tape himself through an adult film company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. That's what I mean. Like this sex tape, this was this set a precedent pre-internet. And then it became a formula for other people, whether it was they were a victim of the formula or whether it was premeditated. I, I can't really say it's crazy world that we live in. But yeah, the sex tapes went on to launch careers of other people. We didn't have these privacy laws. There's so many things we did not have in the 90s that we have now. That, you know, these things inspire. And just, just think of what we've got going on in the world today and what is that going to inspire and help shape and form for the next generation. Talk about that scene in the documentary where they show footage of her and Tommy coming out of a nightclub. It's her first night out after having the baby. And you hear one of the paparazzi photographers saying to her, well, where's your baby? Yeah. Well, where's your baby? Right. What an asshole. What like an she's asshole. not allowed to go out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, there were a lot of things right. that kept jumping out at me that were just so misogynistic. It was disgusting. What she said, for example, about men that she would meet that would be disappointed if she wasn't the sexual creature that they expected because she posed for Playboy. So because she posed for Playboy, she, I guess, in their minds was expected to be a certain way and live up to the fantasy that they had created in their minds. And that would make people angry. I mean, there's like a whole group of men out there that she just made angry because what they wanted her and couldn't have her because she, you know, it's just so gross to think about. She's the fantasy. She's the ultimate fantasy. Yeah. And, yeah, that photographer, I mean, the paparazzi was crazy. That was insanely intense. She gets home from Mexico and that footage, they're coming out of the airport and they're just surrounded by photographers. Paparazzi also didn't have a lot of boundaries then mm-hmm. either. No. And this is, I think, before Princess Diana's death or around the same time. So same time, yeah. Yeah, so we know what paparazzi was like around the world. I have some quotes here that I loved from the documentary that she says, lying is the most damaging thing that people can do. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. For once in my life, I'm going to be in love with myself. 
that kind of broke my heart to think that she's done all of these things and she didn't love herself through it. And it seems like she really took care of herself in the best way that she could with what she had at the time. She did not have good representation. Oh, that part drives me crazy. I can't get over the right? fact that she didn't make money or, I mean, I know she got a paycheck and everything, but she did not have a manager or somebody fighting for her or someone making sure that she was getting residuals from every Baywatch episode, all of that stuff that mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I can't even. But that goes back to value, right? That she didn't value herself enough. She didn't know her self-worth enough to say, no, this is what I'm worth. I know what I bring to the table. And when she did not fight that lawsuit and she gave up, that sends a signal to the world is I don't have the willpower to fight. I can't stand here and fight for what I believe in, for what's mine, for what's true. I don't have the self-worth and the wherewithal to enter the fight. So everyone's like, well, great. We can take advantage of you. You have to set a precedent. You cannot compromise any way, shape, or form when it comes to things like that because you compromise, people take an inch, and then they take a mile. No. And then it was terrible because people started saying that she and Tommy released the tape on purpose or leaked it on purpose for publicity or because, of course, everybody's going to spin it the way they want to spin it. Right, right. And I love that... She goes into the Playboy Mansion and Smokey Robinson is there and she's like, oh, I got divorced again. And he <laughs> says, baby, you're romantic. Keep trying. <laughs> oh, she's in love with being in love and there's nothing wrong with that. No. And she clearly has a very forgiving heart. I mean, Rick Solomon and her, I think, what, they got married twice or they got back together, I think, after twice. the crack pipe in the Christmas tree. And, you know, (laughs) she's clearly very open hearted person Mm -hmm. and she really respect that she said that she's not a damsel in distress. I loved that. She said that. I love that. She said, I'm not in distress. I've put myself in these situations because she has, Mm -hmm. and she's made her choices and she's been, you know, attracted to the people that she's been attracted to. She's done the controversial things like she, whatever it may be, she's, she owns it. Full accountability. She's saying, nope, I made these choices and this is what happened. And I came out the other side. I thought that was awesome. I love this quote. She says, when you are hurt, you have two options to close off or to love more. And I choose love. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button for all the luxuries for your soul. 